Hello, everyone, and welcome to Queer and Dumb. I am Tom Volomies. I am dumb. I am Jamie McDonald. I'm still queer. And I need to be dumber. We got audience feedback that the questions should be dumber. And uh, as in new media, we are going to take that audience feedback and use it. Uh, the way people told us that uh, we were uh, not cool about Latvia, so we did an episode about Latvia. This episode is the dumbest questions oh, no. about all the LGBT stuff. I've gotten feedback from the straights. Are you familiar with the straights? Is that a new band or <laughs> it's something a, 90s Britpop sort of? Yeah, it's a family. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the straights. Yeah. So basically the straights have been telling me that they don't want to ask the dumb questions. Like an actual Finnish comedian told me that uh, when they are backstage with you, yeah. they would want to ask you stuff, yeah. but they don't want to be, they don't want to get canceled. Uh, they don't want to be rude. They don't know what to say and whatever. Yeah. So, but I can take the hit. <laughs> You yeah. know why? Yeah. You know why? why? Because I am a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. That's very romantic. <laughs> Those are my own words. I haven't plagiarized them from any... I, I didn't think you had, actually. <laughs> it's not like the ending of a movie or no. whatever. People used to ask more questions. They ask them less nowadays. I think... That's I, my first question. Uh, Why do people nowadays ask you less stupid LGBT questions than they used to? I think it's because people have now finally internalized that it can be rude to ask some questions. That's because the whole can, point of this pod, that I take the hit so that uh, others can ask. Yeah, but the point is, like, yeah. five years ago, yeah, people didn't know they were being rude. Oh. So they were just, they were like, oh, blah, 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 what do you have about, th- what's in your pants? And now people know that, okay, that's maybe an invasive question that you shouldn't ask everybody. I'm not saying you can, can't ask it ever for anybody, but it's like, there's a time and a place, and you kind of have to think, like, is this the time and the place? <laughs> what's a good time and a place, and how well do you have to know someone to ask about their crotch? I think it depends on the person. Okay, it depends on how you ask it. Too. So I've had so many people ask, like, have you had the surgery? Sometimes people don't ask because I say something about it in my act. So, you know, people don't have to ask in that sense. It's really hard to think, like, how somebody who I don't know very well backstage would be, when they would be entitled to that information. So five years ago, someone might just be like, so, uh, Jamie, explain your crotch. Yeah, they they might, yes. And uh, it doesn't happen much? Not so much, no. Okay. Can you tell an example of a situation where someone could ask something to that effect? Like if you know a comedian well, or just... uh... The most obvious one is like if I'm about to take off my pants for like sexy times, then I think I probably should have like talked about it before. Okay. So that's that's, uh... that's like the main one. It's like if if it's your business to know... Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, definitely. It's generally it's not anybody's business to know what's in somebody else's pants or something like that that's private. But on the other hand, we're comedians. Sometimes we volunteer that kind of information about ourselves because we're telling dumb stories. We just want to talk about stupid stuff. And then sometimes you get the right kind of person. This is just maybe for me. The right kind of person who just doesn't have a filter but isn't rude about it. My sister who is just the sort of person who does not have 
the filter. With her, I really appreciate it because she asks the kinds of questions that actually a bunch of like stoic private individuals in my family we need to talk about, right? So yeah. she'll say she'll ask uncomfortable questions. You know, she's washing dishes and then all of a sudden turns to you and and says, uh, "So what happened with that relationship?" And then, and you, you <laughs> like you have to tell the whole thing. But it's good because it it gets it out. And she just has like that, that kind of power. This is the thing I I really genuinely don't think that everybody is too nosy. I think there are some people who have magic nosy properties. So, <laughs> to recap your answer, basically it's no one's business. Yeah. Like your crotch is basically no one's business unless there's a serious chance that you're going to have sexy time. Pretty much, yeah. With them, yeah. Okay, so that's a clear answer. Yeah. A dumb person can understand right. that. Yeah. So don't come and ask Jamie about this unless you're about to get intimate. It's the sort of thing. If it's none of your business, and you know it's none of your business, and you want to ask anyway, then just like start with the thought. Hey, this is none of my business, but I'm gonna have this. Com- I'm gonna ask something. I don't know if that makes sense. So be apologetic about it or? Nah, just be cool. Just be cool. Yeah. That's a good generic advice to people. Okay, so I have a list of uh, dumb questions. I googled what are the dumb LGBT questions and one came up all the time, like absolutely all the time. Yeah. So in your relationship, who is the man and who is the woman? Yeah. You know, we wonder that ourselves, actually. (laughs) We really do. That does happen. That that still does happen to a lot of gay relationships that somebody asks, like, who's the... And it's funny because they don't frame it as uh, who's the masculine, who's the feminine, even though that's also kind of dumb, or who's the dominant and who's the less dominant, which is also tops like... Tops and bottoms. Tops and bottoms and, and that kind of thing. They say, like, who's the man and who's the woman? <laughs> Which is truly, like, do you have no imagination? Like, do you have this idea that, like, two gay men, like, one of them is just a woman? Because otherwise a relationship can attraction can't happen because attraction is between a man and a woman. So It's the only frame of reference yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. So what's a better version of that same question? If someone says, so in your relationship, who's the top and who's the bottom? Is that a bad question? It's also a dumb question. It's also a none of your business question kind of thing. Okay, here's how you would say it. So how do you compliment each other? Oh, that's a good one. And not like say nice things, but compliment. Like, how are you two kind of compatible? That's a cocktail party question. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. So we're getting better versions of these (laughs) uh, these questions. (laughs) Next one. How am I supposed to keep track of the 35 or something different uh, genders? How many are they? 36, 37, or? I don't know. I guess it's uh, it's infinite, isn't it? I, I don't know myself. It's, it's, some, it's somewhere between zero and infinite. I don't know where I got the 35. Uh, didn't Facebook at one point have like 72 possibilities that you could choose from? Okay. And then there became this meme about there being, uh, sorry, Maybe it wasn't 72 because now I'm thinking about 72 versions. I don't even remember how that number is. Okay, how many different names of genders do you know? Can you list different genders now? Mm, I bet I could do 20. Okay, shall we see man, woman, non-binary? You could say gender fluid, gender less, gender free, agender, masculine or mask, feminine or femme, trans mask, Trans femme. Uh, I'm worried, running out. That's like 10. 10 I mean, is more than I know. That's not so bad, I guess. Are you losing queer points at the moment? No, I, I don't think so. It's just like uh, the ones that I would think of after this would be quite... 
I might know one or two people who ascribe to them. Or you can also be multi-gender. You're quite deep in the queer community. You do the pride shows. You go to all the different prides. I saw one, and people would sort of like line up to talk to you after that. You're quite deep in the scene. By knowing 10 different genders, that encompasses most people you've met. Probably, but the other thing is, if I talk to somebody who says they're agender, And if I talk to somebody who says they're a woman, there is a chance that those two people look very similar and behave very similar and even feel very similar. There is totally a chance that their actual experiences are not that far apart and that this is simply how they feel the best at describing what it is they're experiencing. It is the best way for them to describe what they are. And right. What, yeah. And just like no two men, I don't think, feel the same way about being a man. I don't think two non-binary people feel the same about being non-binary or gender fluid people feel about it. We recognize sort of tendencies. Like, for instance, like a lot of people will say they're gender fluid because there's this idea that you can kind of move back and forth between genders. If you have the kind of experience where sometimes you feel a little bit more on the feminine side you sometimes feel on the masculine side or sometimes you feel like you have no gender at all. And you like to incorporate that feeling into your sense of how you do gender. Then I think gender fluid probably fits you pretty well as a label because it includes certain tendencies. Yeah, so there's a good way to use them to describe oneself. What I was getting at, you only remembering 10 oh, yeah. is not a bad a thing because uh, it encompasses most of the people you've met in yeah, the that's queer true. scene. That's true. And when somebody tells me what their gender is and I've never heard of it, I just go, okay. <laughs> yeah. So if someone knows 10, they'd get pretty far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be efficient (laughs) about this. So, are gender-neutral traffic signs and bathroom signs more or less equality between the different sexes? That's a good question. Okay, there's a few different angles to that question. If we're looking at just the signage, because first off, if you're talking about a street sign, then what the sign signifies is just a crosswalk or something like that, right? Yep. No big deal. If you're talking about a bathroom, then the bathroom sign also signifies what is going on inside that bathroom. It's the bathrooms that sell themselves that need to be for whoever it says on the door. So those are kind of different things, right? Because the a gender-neutral bathroom means that anybody can go in there regardless yeah. of their gender and do whatever they want. Well, (laughs) do whatever they need to do in the bathroom. I think that that is better for equality in general. I think that just means that we don't feel a need to separate when we're just going into like a single stall, doing our business, washing our hands and getting out. But I think in general, like in public spaces, it should be no big deal to have these gender neutral bathrooms in general. When you, a trans man, are in a gender-neutral bathroom, do you feel included? Do you feel seen? Actually, I feel a bit safer, I would say. I also feel like I know that the facilities that I need are going to be there because the number of times I've walked into a men's bathroom and then there's one stall, there is no door on the stall or there's no seat on the toilet or anything like it's a horror show and it's just meant for guys to go in there and piss. The men's restrooms look like a war zone had a diarrhea. I think some people generally, they get territorial. I think some people actually piss in the corner just to like try and claim something. 
I swear to God. And sometimes women's toilets are also terrible, but at least, like, I know if I go to a gender-neutral toilet that I'm going to have the facilities in there that I need, which is a big plus because I hate walking into a men's toilet and going, well, this is not good for my needs. That's also not good for the guys to have that kind of squalor. How can I refer to gays, uh, homosexuals? Can I say homos? I think you can't really say homos unless you're a homo. So homos would be slur. I don't feel like it's that much of a slur, except I think in Finland it kind of Like is. in Canada. If I was in Canada and I said, there are the homos. Like I would point at a part at a party where gays, gay people would be talking to each other and I point my finger at them and said, there are the homos. Would that be, would I be a monster? I would assume, based on that, I would he- overhear that and I'd go like, this guy either knows them really well or he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> But you wouldn't think he's a bigot. Or... It's, such a, it's such a childish slur to use. If you really wanted to use aggression, you'd use a different word. If I was a bigot, I would use something other than homos. Yeah, you might say like the F, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Can I say uh, them? Uh, it's them Canadians. Them uh, homos? <laughs> I was thinking uh, them them gays. Them gays. Oh, that... Does that sound bad? Well, I would say like, oh, it's them Canadians. Oh, it's them bikers. Oh, it's them gays. It sounds a little bit Virginia, that's all. Virginia, huh? Oh, there's them gays over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not that good with different parts of the states. So. Right. So, them gay. Would it, it be southern way to say? It them sounds gay. a little bit like a little bit bastardized southern. Yeah. Okay. How would you How would you describe a bunch of gay guys? Like, at, so you're at a party. First off, why do you need to point out the gay guys or the gay people? There had been a vote in parliament about something that's related to the LGBT people, and yeah. uh, I would be like, so uh, we've been talking about this issue, but it's just us uh, straight people talking. To, hey, let's ask them gays over there. Okay. Yeah. You. Yes, ask them gays over there. <laughs> it sounds slurry. Uh, it sounds just kind of like funny grammatically. A guy would kind of end up saying something along like, these people are queer, or these people are gay. Let's go ask them. That would be a better phrasing of the... Yeah. How would I say it? I'd be like, let's go ask these homos. But like, let's... But you're the, yeah, yeah, you're the part of the group. Yeah, exactly. so I can... yeah, if I was at a party and if I was like, okay, the boys are in the kitchen, if I wanted to say that there's a bunch of boys in the kitchen, the queers are all on the balcony. So can I say the queers are on the balcony? Yeah, maybe. Depends. To me, it sounds borderline. I would feel weird saying the queers are on the balcony. Yeah. It's you like could... I'm rounding them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could... With a net. Or, I like... mean, you could say like oh, the balcony has turned into the queer zone or something uh, like that. that. Yeah. Or like the queers have taken over the balcony or something. Again, like I don't subscribe to this idea that all the words in every context are an absolute, right? So I think it's okay to say things in a certain way. And have, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you can't say that, that's one thing. On the other hand, there's a lot of inclusivity with playing with the language with people who you know. And then as long as you're aware of the way in which you're using it. At any point, feel completely free to just tell me to shut <laughs> up. Yeah. Next question. How does it feel like for a gay person to have straight sex? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. You've spoken about your history. Yeah. So I had straight sex. And then I had gay sex. The thing is that all of those situations and all of those experiences were different. So I, I can't identify a tendency among that. 
I might say that the first the first queer experiences were really interesting or they were kind of maybe exciting in a certain way of oh my gosh can I can I actually do things this way and then every person is going to experience that kind of thing really differently. That's a really weird question. It does fall under dumb questions, which I can understand that people would have. Like, how does it feel for a straight person to have gay sex? That would be sort of like the obvious question. So I just tried to flip it around. Right. It depends on the context so many times. There's so many people who know that they're gay, but have been in straight relationships for various reasons. I think you can read, like, people have written about their experiences in that. But I, I've read about it, and there's been this one person said that uh, uh, they were in bed with uh, a good uh, female. This, this guy, gay guy said yeah. that they were in bed with a good uh, female friend yeah. of theirs who uh, they sometimes they would sleep in the same bed. Right. So, and uh, the, the woman was uh, quite in, also infatuated with the guy. Yeah. So then the guy had a gay erotic dream woke up in the middle of the night with like a massive boner and then oh that uh, uh, that situation translated into uh, straight sex and then they didn't do it again and the next morning they were just laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. I've actually definitely had like friendly sex. Friendly sex, yeah. Where it's, okay, we're going to do this and then we do something and then like later, it's, yeah, yeah, that was like, that was something. <laughs> that was something, but uh, kind of funny. Also... I don't think straight people have gay sex, and I don't think queer people have straight sex, because the person is not changing orientation when they have sex. So if I had sex with a man, it wouldn't be gay sex? or Wouldn't necessarily. How does that work? Do you know about the MSM? No. Label? Men who have sex with men? I've never heard. Okay, so this is a whole subset of masculine sexuality. Of men who, and this is not a small subset, of men who are heterosexual and define themselves themselves as heterosexual, but sometimes they like to have sex with men. And that's not gay or... Well, nobody... It sounds gay. It does sound gay. Yeah. And there are probably lots of people who would say, look, you know, just come out of the closet, you're gay or you're bisexual, but it's seen in sexology as a legitimate orientation or a legitimate activity. So there's like studies on this. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, like a lot of the places that you'll find this, kind, you know, if you go to the dark rooms or these kind of cruising spots, often you'll find that that's where some of those guys will be. Uh, There's also some history about, for instance, HIV, the way that that spread among the, um, the straight, straight community, po- yeah. part of it was MSMs who, of course, were not homosexual and didn't, you know, some of them might also be just they don't want to deal with the negativity of the stigma of homosexuality. So they decide that they're not gay. But in any case, because MSMs were not visible and were everything's done in kind of like behind closed doors, that was a subset of people who were getting infected and then were not getting treatment or were they weren't in the spotlight in the same way. You can still find this. I never even heard of it. This sort of ties in with the next question on the list, just by pure accident. Is there such a thing as a straight queer or a queer hetero? This was such a strange question. I remember this was from uh, a friend a, of mine. Friend, yeah. And so this is like somebody who is straight but sort of identifies as queer or they are queer, but they identify as straight. When it comes to stuff like this, as far as I'm concerned, anybody can kind of take 
a label that they feel describes them in a way that's useful for them, as long as they don't make it anybody else's problem. You know, if you say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a straight person, but I'm queer, a lot of queer people are going to be like, okay, you don't deal with the same shit that we do, so we're not really the same, but I recognize that, you know, there's a queerness to you, and you're welcome to have that queerness. That's not my, there's nothing to do with me. That's your thing. And as long as you're not, like, going into parliament and saying, you know, as a queer person, I think we need this and this and this and this, mm. then I, I don't see the, I don't really see the problem. The Rachel Dolezal, yeah, who is incredibly white, just uh, <laughs> invented herself as a, a black person. Yeah, it's nuts. So can you do that with sexuality? I think there are people who have, yeah, who are not in their heart of hearts really that queer, but they are very attracted to queerness or to the queer community, and then they kind of build themselves a place there. Yeah, the other thing is that Rachel Dolezal was like the head of some organization that dealt with the uh, race. Yes. yes, and that's like, oh, okay, girl. Like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, it's one thing to take on that identity, which I can sort of understand why some people get really into a kind of identity or a culture a lot, a lot, to the point where they're like, this is just so much me that I can't, you know, I have to be, I have to express it. I have to be a part of it in this way. So you and, understand Rachel Dolezal declaring that she's uh, black, even though she's clearly not. I think it's wrong what she did. But at the same time, I see what she did as within the realm of human psychology. I see it as, as a possible thing that can happen. I'm, I'm not that surprised by it. As a queer person, yeah. when you see a queer person who's a person of color as well, yeah. are you like, okay, they're in more trouble than I am. It depends, but generally I don't often think about the ways in which we're in trouble just when we're sort of hanging out. There's not a hierarchy of the troubleness. Hmm. Maybe hierarchy is not the right way to say it, but I would there is a sense that we definitely do not have identical struggles even though some many of them are similar and many of them overlap. Jamie but, is incredibly white. I just want to tell the listeners I, you're I am, Canadian white. Yes, I'm transparent. I'm translucent. You're, I'm Scottish Finnish Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a potato. Yeah. There's a great practice that happens at, uh, there's a club called U-Haul. I don't know if I've talked about it in Helsinki. Tell me about it. The name U-Haul comes from U-Haul lesbians. You haven't spoken. Tell everything. Okay. So there's a dance club. It's for primarily uh, queer people of color and their friends. And so I can go to this club. Anybody can go to this club. As long as you pass the vibe check, <laughs> you can go to this club. And every once in a while, you know, the DJs will be a little bit, there is not enough melanin on the dance floor. And they say, <laughs> if you are not BIPOC, LGBTQ, make some room. And then everybody who's not, so like all our little white asses who are trying to get down to this like amazing hip hop, okay, I'll go to the, I go to the margins, I go to the margins, I go, I, I leave the space in the center, I prioritize the people for whom this club exists. Yep. Those people build that culture, ballroom culture, and a lot of the queer music is also black music, for instance. Let's be honest about who made the best beats. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I can say that and not get canceled. There is something really weird about the connection between oppression and coolness. The more you try to, you know, hang on to somebody's coolness without ever having to had dealt with the same kind of oppression, that's a no-no. But there's appreciation and giving them money, giving them space, giving them opportunities, not centering yourself in it. 
Yeah. I don't want to say like giving them space. It sounds, you know, making space. So we've been talking about race for like 10 minutes and this is a queer pod. Is there <laughs> interlap with the community of the people of color and the queer community? Do they have uh, events together or? At least in this country, what happens, because the queer community and the community of people of color has some overlap, of course, they're relatively small communities. There definitely is a movement of solidarity. So if I, as a queer person in this country, I'm expected to also be anti-racist. That's how solidarity works. And it's really seen that if I'm a queer person, but I'm a racist queer person, then I'm a bad queer person as well as a racist, because I'm not recognizing that all of these struggles are intertwined. Is that intersectionality? I would say that's, yeah, that's a part of it. So you said that there's this club where you can go, uh, the people of color and uh, the queers and uh, their friends, and everyone just has to pass a vibe check. Yeah. How is my vibe? If you would show up at U-Haul, uh, I think you would probably get a few looks at the door. And if you were cool, you could stay. And if you weren't cool, they'd be like, I don't think this is your club. <laughs> How in that situation would I be cool? How in that situation would I be not cool? One way to be cool is to be there with your friends and talk to your friends, dance with your friends. One way to not be cool is to approach somebody you don't know. One way to not be cool is to kind of like just watch everybody on the dance floor Uh, stare. Yeah, staring, going there like you want something from people. Or to be like, this is the best music, I love this music, and just take up your space in the middle of the dance floor and shake your ass like that. All of those would be uncool. Or to, you know, just take up more space. This is like a thing that happens that is a lot of straight people don't really get this. If you go to a gay club, often what happens around 12.30, 1am, when the other bars close, right, you often get an influx of straight people. And these are straight people who are not homophobic, so they're like they're comfortable in a gay bar, but often they are a little bit too comfortable in a gay bar. So then you get uh. pairs of women and men dancing on the dance floor, taking up a lot of space, celebrating what a great place this is, and you can see all <laughs> the homos, you can see all them gays going around going like, can you not take up space on our dance floor? Now the tricky thing about that is that of course there's bisexuals and pansexuals and people who are queer who are anyway in what looks like a heterosexual relationship. You can't just pick up anybody who's like, you know, looks like a man and a woman on a dance floor and then decide that that's a, a straight relationship. Or Let's also, be honest, you can tell which ones are the straights. You can kind of tell. Yeah, there's a vibe. There's a vibe that you can kind of go that they these, pe the vibe these people don't know what room they're in. That's super, super annoying. And then they get upset because you're supposed to be inclusive and you're supposed to be like welcoming for everybody. So why aren't you welcoming for us? And it's like, oh, well. Yeah. A lesbian friend of mine said that the most annoying thing in the world is straight women being flirty at a gay bar. Yeah. And then they're like fairly openly flirty with other women. Yep. And then if a lesbian says anything, they turn them down immediately by saying, no, I'm straight. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Have you seen that. this kind of... From my lesbian friends, I know of which you speak. Yeah. Why uh. do straight women flirt with lesbian women at a gay bar? If they're not, if they have no interest in them, what's going on? A lot of them have interest. They're a little bit too afraid to take the next step. My friends will be making out with a girl at the club, and then the woman says, "I've never done this before. I've never done anything like this before." And then, 
My friend will have to make this split-second decision of, all right, am I going to be somebody's professor tonight? Or is this, uh, you know, because that's not the same kind of fun. If you want to have like a carefree night out of fun, you don't want to hold somebody's hand through this entire new experience. But at the same time, like you got to get it somewhere, right? So you have to decide if you're up for that or not. And Personally, then, I don't think that's fun, but some straight men see that kind of a thing as uh, a kink. Yeah, that's possible, too, that it's a kink for some people. Yeah. To be the teacher. Oh, boy. Yeah, sounds like fun. I know some straight men who are like, oh, I get to teach. I've also seen men do this, straight men flirting in gay bars with gay men. And then when the guy reciprocates, then it's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not gay. Because there's like a safety to it. You can flirt and nothing will happen. But yeah, I can see the yeah the it hamster. It sounds like a bullshit move. Yes, it's kind of dehumanizing to the queer person. It's treating them like an object whose actual feelings and in this interaction don't matter. Yeah, that's when it gets really annoying. Is when the straight person goes to a gay bar to flirt because you can just these are just gay people. You can do whatever you like and it'll be safe. Jamie, you are a trans man. Yes, a trans man is a man. So are you a minority or are you not? Like if there's an all-male panel yeah. and then you join the all-male panel, is it still an all-male panel with no diversity? I reject the binary inherent in the question. I accept the rejection. Could I have uh, an explanation? Because <laughs> actually when I was very early on in my transition, I did a show that then got on uh, Sara Sarma's amazing Tumblr of all, congratulations, you have an all-male panel. Uh, we have a Finnish person who invented the term all-male panel. And uh, when there's like Saudi Arabia, the Council for Women's Affairs, and it's just 20 guys, yeah. uh, she would post that. Yes. Uh, Sarah would post that. Who's the night Rider? Is D- David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff uh, giving like a thumbs up. Yeah. And it would just be congratulations, you have an all-male panel. Yes. So a Finnish woman came up with this. Yeah. Uh, you got into an all-male panel. Yeah, I was in an all-male panel, and I was very confused by this. I was very flattered and validated, but it just doesn't reflect the truth in a sense. When you say, okay, this is an all-male panel or all-female panel, understanding, of course, that the wider conversation is the inequality between women and men. But to frame inequality as being between women and men leaves out that there are other people of other experiences who don't fit into those boxes for the purposes that you're trying to criticize. When I go on a panel, if somebody looks at me and they don't know that I'm trans, actually, I was on an all-male panel two days ago, yesterday. I was in a, <laughs> I was at a seminar and I was talking about, of all things, romantic irony, 18th century literature and Gantt comedy. And the thing was that all the speakers were male. I was included in that, although, okay, for me, the word male and female is a little bit like, uh, that's that's a bad descriptor for me as well. Anyway, I was sitting there going like, well, I am the minority on this panel in this sense. I am the gender minority. I'm the sexual minority. I am, in a sense, the non-man, the non-male on this panel, even though I am also just a guy on the panel. How does it work when you're Both. You're just a guy, but you're also like the non-male in the panel. I know. It's weird. Because if you look at me from the outside, of course, I just look like a guy. And when I get taken as a guy, of course, I get I get the same treatment as people would just give a guy who looks like me. If they know I'm trans, they may treat me a little bit differently. 
And certainly they afford me all kinds. I can say way different shit as a trans man than I would be able to as a cisgender guy. I just received a question. This is true interactivity. <laughs> this question is from a straight female friend of mine. Yeah. Why have so many lesbians had prior straight relationships with men? Gosh, I don't know. Exactly. Maybe it takes a long time to figure out that you're a lesbian. That would be the logical answer. Maybe um, you didn't want to be a lesbian and you wanted to see if you could be straight. Maybe you're bi. Those were the dumb questions that I gathered myself from the people I know. Yeah. Then there's also R gay, which is the Reddit group oh, no. for gay people. <laughs> oh, no. You went Just to Reddit. R slash gay. Yeah. Let's go there. Oh, no. So the Reddit group for gay people has a list of the dumbest things you can ask their community. How can you not like boobs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Explain yourself. You know how some people just don't like coriander and they're wrong? <laughs> Somehow it's illegal to murder these people, so we have to live with them in our society. So coriander is the breasts of the spice world. Yeah. Can you come clothes shopping with me? What? As a gay person, our people are like, oh, Jamie must have excellent sense of fashion. Do you know, I don't get that, but that's because I wear dad core nowadays. You're not fabulous. No, I don't do fabulous. Not yet. I might at some point. If I have a gay friend who's fabulous, can I just be like, hey, help me shop my clothes? If you have a friend, can you be like, help me go clothes shopping? My friends sometimes ask me for stuff. Yeah. Like translate text into English because for I example, have fairly good English. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. example, yeah. But is it weird to say like, hey, you're a fabulous gay person. You must know how clothes work for straight men. Yeah, that's dumb. Now, that's to, dumb, yeah. to look at somebody and say, actually, you have very good taste. Can you help me? That's different. But Better like, phrasing. Yeah. Is that supposed to be a guy asking a fellow guy, please yeah. help me sartorially because I am in the straight world and I am up shit creek without a paddle? Or is that straight girl asking gay guy, can we go shopping and have frappuccinos? These are dumb questions on the Reddit gay forum. I would guess it's a straight guy. Mm. You won't look at my dick if I get changed around you, will you? I probably will, actually. You will? <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> you know, not for salacious purposes necessarily, but, you know, for information. I gotta know. Categorize. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, like an Excel spreadsheet. If you have a friend and you're going to go to the sauna, you don't want... You're going to see them anyway. You might as yeah. well just look. Don't pretend there's like a fog of war going down there. <laughs> <laughs> will you be my gay best friend? That sounds like drunk girl talking. Drunk girl at the bar. Have you been asked that? Have I? I don't think I've had that privilege. One of the kind of the saving graces for me is, of course, that having transitioned around like the age of 35, I did not experience all the stuff that the gay guys get around the age of 20. And uh. that is like, that is messy, 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 messy gay boy territory. Just being 20 is terrible. Yes. So if you add that to well, it, yeah. Yeah, it's a different kind of, you, they get a different subset. Of, uh, of terrible. So now we've gone to the bisexual part. Okay. Oh, so you're 50% straight and 50% gay. Oh, no. <laughs> Amazing. But you're gay, so you don't get these questions. Or I, I've heard you talk about being gay. So Well, people have asked me if I'm bisexual because or pansexual, especially because my husband is a trans guy. Yeah. They've asked if I'm bi. 
it's a weird question. But then again, it, see, sometimes these questions are dumb, and sometimes the dumbness is what they're the dumbness that they reveal is the dumbness of the framing of the question itself. People in reality doing what they do. And then you come up with this like language that you know, and you're like, can I slap this language on you and does it work? Instead of being able to take people and their behavior for what it actually is. I don't see you as bisexual because... Uh, I don't terribly either, no. Because uh, you have said several times that you're gay. So it would be weird of me to be like, no, 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 you're bisexual. <laughs> yeah. It's not my... <laughs> I've had sex with a couple of women, but to be fair, almost every time that's either been like a friend thing or that's been the person has turned out not to be a woman. I've also like tried to be attracted to women more. And then there's a vibe again. It's totally like there's a, a vibe check of masculinity. Like it has to be this high for me to kind of ride this ride. Yeah, yeah, you want the masculine feeling yeah, in, want, in like your that, sexual That energy partner. somehow yeah, yeah. has to be there. Yeah, and and it's it's really weird how it's either, like it's either there or it's not. Now we're in the trans section of the dumbest Reddit questions. What was your name before? Or that's dead naming. Yeah, dead naming is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's like the worst thing. No, it's not the worst thing. Okay, it's bad. It depends on how it's done. Again, I don't volunteer. A lot of people know my old name. I don't volunteer it. I don't hide it. If people ask me what my old name was, I don't tell them. And I also don't say dead name because for me, that person's not dead. Okay. So for me, and this is not everybody's feeling on it, but for me, the the idea of dead naming is specifically an aggressive act of trying to put you back into your previous self or to say like, no, I know who you are. You are this. And I only consider it dead naming if it's done aggressively or if it's done in the press by just kind of carelessness. In case anyone's interested, the name is uh, Hitler. <laughs> I can understand you changing yeah, it. Hitler McDonald. <laughs> not, not a big hit. Did uh, it? Mm. Can I see a picture of you from before? The answer is no. Or how is about, that worse then? How, how about here's a picture of me yesterday. This is technically before in the sort of Mitch Hedberg universe. Yeah, that, that would be really rude to ask. A, you a, haven't been asked that. I probably have been. Yeah, there. What did you look like before? Again, I don't volunteer that information, but at the same time, my Facebook feed is and my Instagram both have my old photos from before transition on them, and I don't take them off because I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the same person, and this is just like I went through this process. So if people are really curious, they can go and find it. But to dig up somebody's photos or just it's tricky. I acknowledge because I saw when I was about to transition, I saw so many people's before and after photos. So many. Now, granted, they had volunteered that information, but I like I needed to know, and I was super curious. So I understand. You looked it up. Yeah, and I understand that like people who don't really know how this works, they need to learn and get information from somewhere, and one of the quickest sources of information is obviously the trans person who's standing right in front of you. This overly familiar kind of question. And I understand that the curiosity is real and also that satisfying the curiosity can help piece together a better picture of what is actually happening when somebody transitions, right? And I think that's in the long run better for trans people that people understand what is going on. There's a time and a place to find out that information. <laughs> so if people are fascinated by the physical aspects and other mm. aspects of uh, the transformation and the trans life. Does that make you feel like a circus attraction? 
If they're going to be weird about it, yeah. And there's such a thing as chasers. What's a chaser? Chaser is a cisgender person who specifically wants to have sex with trans people. Is that bad? Yeah, generally it's bad because usually it's a case of this person treats trans people like a fetish object. Trophy. You can tell because they're like, oh, I find trans women so attractive. They're so beautiful. They're the most beautiful women in the world. And you're just like, okay, you're not talking about a person. You're talking about a group of people. Then that starts to be objectifying that you're you know, going after this person, not because of who she is like as a person, but because she is trans. That about her excites you very much. And then there are people who genuinely do like having relationships with trans people, which also includes a lot of trans people. And so there's a lot of, a lot of people like try not to be chasers about the fact that they're very interested in a trans person or that they know that they like to have relationships with trans people, but they can do it kind of a bit more respectfully, if you know what I mean. You've had a lot of answers where you'd say, just don't be weird about it. Yeah. How can I not be weird about it? I guess if you like learn as much as you can from trans people who are volunteering the information and like have trans friends and just be patient about the information and the way you learn. Thank you, Jamie, for answering these questions. <laughs> like I said before, new media is about interaction. So we're going to do this same episode again in the future. More dumb questions. Mm. So if anyone wants their dumb question asked, just uh, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and uh, send us the questions or whatever feedback you want. Let's go to our uh, last section. I need you to open it. The Kid Rock. Oh, yeah. Upsetero. Every week we nominate a person, a hetero, who is ridiculously upset about LGBTQIA plus things. And uh, now it's Kid Rock, and this is the first ever attempt of an upsetero to redeem themselves, and it goes horribly. Kid Rock is not able to redeem themselves. We've spoken before about Dylan Mulvaney, who promoted Bud Light, and uh, the transphobes went completely insane. <laughs> One of them was Kid Rock, who was seen shooting cans of Bud Light with a weapon. Oh, man. But now Kid Rock is back to drinking Bud Light again, and Kid Rock has a restaurant. Why would you eat at Kid Rock's restaurant? And that restaurant is selling Bud Light Again, what has happened? Has uh, Kid Rock seen the light or something? In April, Kid Rock said, fuck Bud Light and fuck Anheuser-Busch, as he filmed himself shooting cases of the beer with an assault-style rifle. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> On Sunday, 10th December, he told, at the end of the day, when you step back and look at it like, yeah, they deserved a black eye and they got one. They made a mistake. So do I want to hold their head underwater and drown them because they made a mistake? No, I think they got the message. Did they? <laughs> what message did they get? So, Thank you for selling our beer again. Nothing has changed. <laughs> this is so violent. Just because uh, some person promotes Bud Light, Kid Rock is shooting at cases of Bud Light. Yeah. And now Kid Rock is talking about giving a black eye, mm. uh, but not uh, drowning them. Yeah. So this is despicable to me to use uh, violent metaphors because of how the trans people statistically receive uh, violent actions 
from others more than people who are not trans. He's talking about Bud Light and Anheuser Bush, yeah. but I think Kid Rock is threatening trans people with uh, violence. How do you see it? If your your only tool is a hammer, you tend tend to treat everything as though it were a nail. It looks as though his only kind of way of processing information is through violence. What else could have happened that he would have wanted to boycott Bud Light? Like, say if Bud Light used one of his songs inappropriately or, like, cheated him of something or that something, you know, had gone wrong kind of politically. I can kind of see this dickhead shooting up a can of beer just because that's the kind of tough ass he is. So you don't think he means to use a violent metaphor about the trans people? I think he also means that. Okay, so he's so versatile. I think he would use violence towards any target of his, whether it's a person or entity or a beer can. This is so dumb. So dumb. I think they got the message. This is not for Anheuser-Busch, though. This can't be. Because Anheuser-Busch didn't give a shit about Kid Rock. I'm sure of it. This is more about Kid Rock's fans and his relationship with his business. So his brand. Yeah. His brand is violence. Well, that, but also the fact that he's going to sell Bud Light is people probably people just fucking ask him for Bud Light because they're over this bullshit boycott. They don't care. So Kid Rock's fans are not all that transphobic. I think they're very transphobic. I just think they really, at the end of the day, they want a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't see the material connection between Bud Light and trans people, regardless of Dylan Mulvaney doing a TikTok. I love discussing this thing with you since... Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've answered nothing. <laughs> we've reached no information. Yeah. It's just an idiot and his idiot fans. Yeah, I think so. At the same time, this kind of thing happens so frequently that I feel like unless it's going to affect people directly, I don't give a shit. And the only people that Kid Rock not serving Bud Light at his restaurant is going to affect is the people who go to his restaurant, and I don't care about them. I'm sure as individuals, they're very nice, but I am going to dehumanize them like a chaser right now <laughs> and say that like people who go to Kid Rock's restaurant are not the most beautiful people on the planet, and I don't want to have sex with them as a group. <laughs> people who go to Kid Rock's restaurant, I just want to tell you one thing. There are other restaurants. And there are other beers. There are other beers. Thank you, uh, Jamie. This has been our episode. And one more thing. The next time I ask you, what is my vibe? Yeah. You say, excellent, sir. Oh, excellent, sir. 